You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Michigan will have a new elections director for the first time in almost four decades. Longtime Department of State staffer Sally Williams will be Michigan's first female elections director. She'll take over for Chris Thomas, who has shepherded our elections for 36 years under both Democratic and Republican secretaries of state. Thomas came home to Michigan in the 1970s after working for the newly created Federal Election Commission after it was created as part of the post-Watergate reforms in Washington. He's known around the state capitol as a walking encyclopedia of information and history about how elections work. Former Republican Secretary of State Candace Miller recently told the Detroit Free Press, quote, People always wanted to try to guess what his partisan leanings were. I used to tease him that they took that gene out of his DNA. Thomas is not going out quietly. Lately, he's been calling attention to the way campaigns are financed here in Michigan. We hear a lot about so-called dark money and soft money and its influence over our elections and public policy. Thomas says there's no question that influence exists. He tells the free press that's fueling public cynicism and will, quote, swallow the whole thing if it's not controlled. Joining me now to talk about dark money and soft money and elections here in the state of Michigan is Chris Thomas, the Michigan elections director, longest serving state elections director in the country, has served both Democrats and Republicans since the 1970s. Chris, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So uh, you say that if we don't do something about dark money and soft money, it's going to swallow the whole thing. What what do you mean by that? Well, Michigan has a campaign finance act that was passed back in the 70s. It's been amended several times, but by and large, it's a good disclosure act. So the media and the voters can all see where the money is coming from uh, that finances candidates' campaigns. Uh, with the dark money, uh, that goes away. So these are under the IRS code 501c4s. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be social welfare organizations, but uh, it's been written loose enough to allow uh, political ads to be purchased. Now, they, they stop short of saying vote for or vote against, but any um, uh, viewer is going to know exactly what those ads are all about. Right. They're all campaign ads. They're run right before the election, and they're funded by contributors who generally give very large sums of money and do not have their names or occupations disclosed. So as the trend moves towards these 501c4s, more and more the campaign financing is done that way, which means that the sources of the money remains dark. And and you say that that is fueling public cynicism about our elections. Uh, Talk about how that how that works. Well, this gets attached to Citizens United. So there's sort of a confluence uh, back in 2010 when Citizens United was decided by the United States Supreme Court uh, to hold that corporations and unions may make uh, independent expenditures with their treasury money uh, to defeat or uh, elect a candidate. Uh, That was new. Uh, That's been prohibited in Michigan and uh, at the federal level for several years. 
So that came along. At the same time, another case called Speech Now came along that said that these committees, these independent spending committees, can actually collect money from other corporations. Um, and then the confluence with the 501c4. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of new money in. Uh, the independent expenditures are disclosed, but the C4s are becoming more and more prominent in the use. So if, if people are, if office holders make decisions and the special interest that fund those office holders is not known, um, I think that's a real problem. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Chris Thomas, Michigan's election director, the longest serving state elections director in the country, has served both Republican and Democratic administrations since the 1970s. He's retiring, and Sally Williams, who is a Department of State staffer, will take over for him. We're talking about the influence of dark money and soft money on elections here in Michigan, something that has, at least in recent years, really increased, uh, something new that we've seen. And we've seen state government try to figure out how to how to make that a little more transparent, how to make it a little easier for people to understand where the messages they see during campaigns are coming from uh, and who's responsible for those messages. If you want to join the conversation, talk about elections here in the state of Michigan, talk about dark money and soft money, the way we handle it, the influence of uh, separate actors, private actors, lobbyists uh, and, and uh, interest groups on elections, give us a call, 313-577-1019. Are we getting that right in Michigan or are we getting it wrong? Are you as a voter confused by some of the ads that you see and who is behind them? Do you feel like you still have a voice in our electoral system, as much of a voice as people who have this kind of money. Again, the number is 313-577-1019 on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you where we are with uh, state efforts to make this look different, to make it a little more transparent. We, we've had some fits and starts there. I feel like uh, we're, we're still... Uh, we're still really far behind the pace of growth for this kind of this kind of influence. That we're not we're not letting government keep up with it. Uh, we are very far behind. Uh, there was an effort, a brief effort back in 2013, to promulgate some rules to require what they call electioneering ads. In other words, they're not express advocacy, but they're electioneering without those those final words vote for, but clearly an election ad. <clears throat> the United States Supreme Court says it's totally legitimate for states to require disclosure. Mm -hmm. uh, Judge, Ju Justice, former Justice Scalia, uh, called it uh, civic courage uh, to have your name disclosed and believe very strongly that disclosure is, is at the base of, of the democratic and legislative process. Uh -huh. Um, there is not much going on by way of disclosing this money. And in fact, the legislature passed an act to make sure it would not be disclosed by requiring that only uh, express advocacy would be disclosed. And one of the arguments that those who are 
in favor of no disclosure <clears throat> is that these contributors could be harassed. Right. Um, and Justice Scalia basically said, well, there are ways to handle that in the courts if there is, you can show a reasonable likelihood that that's going to occur. Uh, they rely on an Alabama case uh, with the NAACP back uh, in the 50s, it might have been the 40s, where the issue of disclosing their membership list uh, was, up, was uh, allowed not to be disclosed by the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, that's a real different thing. Uh, the membership list of the NAACP in, in Alabama back mm -hmm. at that time mm -hmm. could certainly endanger people. Giving large contributions hardly seems to me uh, something that people need to be afraid of. It's not really analogous to the to what uh, we were talking about. Not to about me, before. it's not. Uh, yes, to others it is, but not to me. Yeah. Um, what is the what is the likelihood? Do you think of us being able to come up with this uh, this this sort of rubric for handling these things? I know that. For instance, Secretary of State Ruth Johnson is a big advocate of, of trying to put a little more transparency in front of uh, the people who do this. Uh, what, what's the stumbling block? It's not as if this is this is not an expressly partisan issue, I guess, is, is my point. You have a lot of Republicans who control government in Lansing who, who want this to, to look different. Uh, the, the legislature made it clear that uh, the rules would go nowhere and that it would change, it would actually take a change in state law to facilitate any disclosure. And I agree with you, it's a bipartisan issue. Um, <clears throat> the Republicans certainly defend the non-disclosure. Uh, Democrats often um, advocate for disclosure, however, um, they're right in it with the Republicans in terms of raising the money, using the money, uh, so both sides um, are definitely uh, taking advantage of this. Yeah. Uh, I think there's two ways to go about this. Uh, one would be a ballot proposal, mm -hmm. and I don't know that that would get legs, but that would be one way to go around the legislature. And the other would be um, something that would occur by way of um, some sort of scandal along the road, which would bring public attention to it to a level where something would have to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. I'm talking with Chris Thomas, Michigan Elections Director, longest serving state elections director in the country, has been in that role since the 1970s. Is heading out into retirement. We're talking though about dark money and soft money contributions that come from people who don't attach their name or their organization to their message. Uh, is that something that is corroding public confidence in our electoral system? Does it make you feel like your vote maybe doesn't count as much as some other folks or that your voice doesn't count as much as some other people's in the elections process? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or hashtag us on Twitter. And we'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Paul in Pontiac. Paul, welcome to Detroit today. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. So my question um, is, as it relates to uh, raising funds for campaigning, do you really have to declare a side, so to speak, in the fight to be able to raise money to specifically target ads 
or campaigns that you disagree with or that are not necessarily telling truths or whole truths? I think I understand your question, Paul. Are you sort of asking how how you push back against uh, the corporations who are using dark money? As a, a private citizen, am I allowed to raise money the same way that that right. they would raise money to counter their message? Right, right, uh, Paul. That's a that's a really great question, uh, Chris. Talk about the, the the power that individuals have to take advantage of. I guess these same these same loopholes, uh, how, how do the rules look different? Well, at the individual level, you've got a number of avenues. You can contribute to candidates directly uh, under limitations. Uh, you can make unlimited independent expenditures uh, as long as you, the candidate doesn't direct or control those. Uh, you have to disclose that, however, of who contributes to that independent expenditure. Or if you want to set up uh, a 501c4, you can do that as well. Uh, you're likely going to need a lawyer to set one of those up. It has to follow um, certain uh, IRS regulations in order to do that. So it's not simple for just a regular citizen to go ahead and set up a 501c4 and raise money and have it uh, uh, shielded from disclosure. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with outgoing Michigan Elections Director Chris Thomas. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Chris Thomas. He is the outgoing Michigan elections director, the longest serving state elections director in the country. He's been in that role since the 1970s, served in both Democratic and Republican administrations. Uh, Chris, I want to change the subject a little here and talk about elections, election outcomes. We had a little bit of controversy here in Michigan, and after the balloting in 2016, a lot of slow vote counting in some places, including Detroit, slower than normal. Uh, but then also some questions about the integrity of that vote counting uh, that arose as a result of the questions about whether we could have a recount here in the state of Michigan. We had a third-party candidate to say that she wanted a recount. There was a lot of debate about whether that was going to be possible, how that would work. And I, I, I feel like a lot of people were left with the impression that things don't work uh, ideally in that way in, in, in the state of Michigan. We have some older voting machines. Uh, we have some older processes, I guess, uh, that, that we do. I, just give us, give us uh, an update on where you think we are on making sure that when votes get cast, they get counted, uh, are available to be recounted, and that there aren't big holes, I guess, in the system that uh, prevent all those things from happening. Uh, if there's any warts at all, it's going to show up uh, right there. Uh -huh. And In fact, it did and in Detroit and a number of other jurisdictions. Uh, on the whole, it was a very successful recount to the extent that it, it uh, took place. 
Uh, we got about 40% of the state recounted before the courts called it off. Mm -hmm. um, with regard to the difficulties that uh, were experienced uh, that came to light, they dealt pretty much with uh, staffing uh, in the polling places and some of the training of election inspectors to deal with provisional ballots and uh, those types of exceptions that are done properly so that your count does not, the number of ballots does not get off. And when there's a recount, there's two things that are critical. One is that a, the seal that secures the ballot can is tightly sealed, so it can't be opened, and that the number on that seal is properly recorded mm -hmm. in the poll book. And then second, the number of ballots uh, has to agree with the number of voters. And that's where the primary difficulty was, is that those didn't add up. Most of them were off by a handful, two, three uh, ballots in terms of, um, of uh, record keeping. We worked a number of them after the election, and a large number of them probably could have been recounted um, with, with some effort, uh, but many of them could not. And that just comes right back to uh, preparation, and uh, following, following the law and the procedures. Uh, so we hope that uh, we work very closely with these jurisdictions, and we hope that uh, that corner is being turned. Yeah, are we spending enough money keeping not only staffing at the proper levels, but keeping the equipment up to date? Uh, we, we do have some older voting machines uh, around the state. What, what, should, what, what, what should we be focusing on there? Well, the nice thing is, is that, uh, you know, we got HAVA money, HAVA money, Help America Vote Act money back right. around 2004. And uh, both Terry Lynn Land and now Ruth Johnson have been great stewards of that money. And so we have $30 million left for the next voting system. The legislature put 40 in. And uh, we uh, just did an RFP. In fact, Sally Williams uh, directed that and did an excellent job. And we've got all three vendors of optical scan uh, below the 40, 40 million. Uh, so voters will see new voting systems. Uh, mm -hmm. They'll see new voting systems in Detroit this August. So that's a big step forward, and we're hoping that that um, solves a lot of the issues. There may be some bumps along the way just as we shift to a new voting system, uh -huh. but uh, they, are, uh, they are a definite improvement. So that's on a horizon. And what are the, what are the differences in that? in that new system, what makes it better than what we had? Well, they're digital, uh, so they uh, are the next step up in technology. Uh, they still have the paper uh, ballot, which we in Michigan have always said is critical. Um, so most some voters, sort of paper record. Of, of exactly. So when we do recounts, we count them by hand. And uh, that's what gives people the confidence in the system. We don't just put them back through the tabulators. Right. Uh, but there's a number of bells and whistles that come along with it. Um, <clears throat> it's better software. It's a better election management uh, software that uh, will be just a better system all the way around. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Cassandra in Detroit. Cassandra, yes. welcome to Detroit. Today. I'm concerned now that <coughs> we know that the Russians did hack into our system, what assurance do I have as a, citizen, as a citizen that my vote or that what's taking place as far as the voting is safe? Since we don't know how many 
potential Americans might have been involved in the hacking of our votes. Right. What assurance do I have that my vote is being cast the way I cast? Yeah. Uh, Cassandra, thanks very much for the call. And the question I think that's on a lot of people's minds as we watch the investigation into the 2016 presidential campaign unfold. Uh, how do we know that uh, that our votes are safe now that we know that the Russians are trying to, pa- to tap in and, and tamper with things? Uh, I, I, I believe Cassandra maybe maybe got out of fr- ahead of us and says that for sure they did. That it's there's no question they for sure in, intervened in the campaign. I don't know that we know that they interfered with votes. But Chris Thomas, I'll let you address that. Well, first, we don't think they did interfere with the votes, certainly here in Michigan. We had no evidence, such as Illinois knows that there was some hacking of their statewide voter registration file. We have not found that here. Uh, The Department of Technology Management budget has done a good job in terms of firewall securing the statewide system. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that tabulators in the precinct are not connected to the internet in any way. They're standalone tabulators. They require no internet connectivity. So nobody's going to interfere at that level. Mm -hmm. The computers that the counties use to uh, accumulate votes are not to be connected to the internet. Uh, So there's, if you will, that space between the internet and these computers. So we are working through this process to make sure that the computers all the way up the line are not connected with the Internet. There's extensive pre-election testing that's done uh, to make sure that the program is accurately counting the votes. And at the end of the day, as I noted earlier, we have this paper ballot. And that paper ballot uh, is there for audit purposes through a recount. And uh, so that's, that's really the security to the system. Uh-huh. Now, there's no question, but the issue of security is going to be paramount and right in the front row of election administration for the next several years. The Homeland Security Department in Washington has declared uh, the election technology as critical infrastructure, which means they will be proposing a number of safeguards uh, as time goes on that the states uh, will adhere to. So I I think that uh, the attention, regardless of what happens in Washington on their investigations, the attention is focused, and um, I I think steps will be taken to further secure our systems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Great question, and thank you for it. Uh, Myrna, Myrna in Ypsilanti, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call. It's a uh-huh. great show, uh-huh. as always. And uh, my question is, um, does anyone know what company Secretary of State Ruth Johnson used to remove people from the voter rolls? Because there's um, a story online by Greg Pallast um, that says the company called Crosscheck has been used by Republican Secretaries of State to remove um, likely Democratic voters from the voter rolls, such as uh, black people, Hispanic people, and students. Mm -hmm. And that accounts for tens of thousands of votes taken off the voter rolls um, that should not have been taken off. So just wondering what company Ruth Johnson used. Did she use Crosscheck for that? And also, did any Democrat bother to 
check on who she was taking off the voter rolls and double check on that. Yeah, uh, great question, Myrna. Obviously, keeping the voter rolls intact, keeping their integrity up, is a big part of uh, what elections officials do, both at uh, your level and at the Secretary of State. Talk about how that worked and, and whether this company that uh, has been accused of of removing people who, who shouldn't be removed is involved in doing that here in Michigan. Uh, let me know clearly here. There is no company called CrossCheck. Okay. Uh, there's no such thing. There is a CrossCheck, but it's not a company. The CrossCheck is run by uh, Kansas, and it's been around for a number of decades now. It started out very small in some uh, Midwestern states and has expanded uh, to many different states. I think over 20-some uh, are involved. Mm -hmm. What this is is each state, after the election, puts its voter registration file into this computer. The computer sorts it, and it tries to match uh, people who have registered in more than one state, and it gives you an indication where they've most recently voted. I see. So that information then comes back to uh, Michigan, and we can see the people who are registered in another state, and we can see whether they voted in that state. So then we are operating under the National Voter Registration Act at that time. So that becomes reliable information. So we match. The only ones we send a notice to are where? First name, middle initial or name, last name, date of birth, and last four digits of Social Security card match. Mm -hmm. So that's a hard match. We will then send, for those who have voted in another state, uh, we do send that to um, the, um, uh, we send that off to uh, uh, the voter, and the voter then uh, has two federal elections in which to respond. And by federal election, that's an even year November election. So anyone that we send a notice to this year, let's say, in 2017, would not be removed from the file until, not in 2018, but after the 2020 election. So there is no wide-scale removal of voters going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, and still you have folks who, uh, who would say that this disproportionately affects Democratic voters, I believe Rolling Stone did a big profile, for instance, on cross-check, and, and its analysis showed that. Talk about why uh, that's either so or not from your perspective. I, I have not read the article, but I am willing to bet that it's not so in Michigan. Um, it depends on what the state does with the data. Now, if if some states decide, hey, if their name is on there, we're going to send them a notice, you know, whether that middle initial matches or not, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. We've taken a very conservative match here. And these people are usually folks who have moved to another another state. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're mobile people. Yes, there could be some college students in there who've registered in Michigan. They've finished college. They've uh, moved on. Um, but, uh, they, you know, that's one way we would find that out. Mm. Uh, but we take very conservative view. Uh, I know there are some states, I've, uh, heard other directors that are much looser in their match. And perhaps and we more don't aggressive, do yeah, yeah. And more aggressive. And we, look, we know data. This is data that's being put in. Unless we get that great match and with that last four digits of Social Security card, 
that's what generally will cinch it for us as being the same person. Yeah. Okay, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, what's next for you, Chris Thomas? Well, I'm retiring, and I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. Yeah. I've recently married, and I'm uh, moving back to my hometown in southwestern Michigan huh? mm -hmm. and uh, plan on getting somewhat engaged in the community. Uh, I'm going to serve on a couple boards with elections. Uh, one is an MIT board dealing with election data, and another is the Overseas Vote Foundation. Yeah. Right. So I'll keep my finger in it, and uh, <laughs> it's a great field. Yeah. Okay, Chris Thomas, outgoing elections director here in the state of Michigan, thir served for 36 years. Thank you very much for joining Thank us you, on the show today. Absolutely. Okay, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. See you tomorrow.